Welcome to Boardroom Media. My name is Velvet Bell Templeman and I'm here talking to Sean Sinclair, National Head of Real Estate and Construction at Grant Thornton. Sean has extensive experience advising businesses in the property development and construction industries. Today, we'll be talking the real estate and construction sector, which has certainly experienced a range of peaks and troughs in the last 24 months and is now having to navigate the fallout from COVID-19. Thanks so much for joining us, Sean. Thanks for having me. So, Sean, before we look forward, let's look back. It's been a tumultuous ride. What has it been like for the sector up until now? Well, Velvet Bell, um, you know, when looking at the industry, we kind of need to consider things on a asset class or by sector basis because, you know, performance has been different um, across those. But if we're looking first at the residential space, things have been looking pretty good coming into 2020. Um, we were, you know, firming up. The pricing was uh, certainly on the on the march up again, and we'd seen a, a lot more transactions happening. Um, but with the restrictions, we've seen a lot of properties being withdrawn from the market simply because, you know, the restrictions not allowing open homes, um, auctions to take place with gatherings of people. So, um, you know, we've got a, a lot of uh, slowdown in transactions that are that are happening at the moment. So, you know, we have in the last few weeks seen uh, those that had um, transacted prior to, I guess, a lot of the restrictions coming in place now settling. Um, but with that, we've got this gap now with a lot um, of transactions just, uh, I guess, being held. Um, confidence has taken a hit. So, you know, people are more worried about their income stream or whether they've got um, any employment security going forward. And they're more concerned about that at the moment than making big decisions around, um, you know, am I building a house or making a, you know, a house purchase as such. Um, I know many of us, it's probably not many who don't have someone in their immediate family or in their circle of friends who has been impacted by job losses and therefore, you know, concerned about income streams. Then if we look at retail property assets, um, you know, they, they'd already been doing it tough for quite some time. And something like this, I think, is really um, going to decimate the sector and we'll see a lot of future movement there. Um, it's not just the closures and the inability to trade during the restriction period, but, you know, from that it will then be a slow return to normal. Um, you know, a lot of people have adopt, uh, adapted to the online way of life now um, and whilst, you know, by the end of this, many people are going to be desperate just to get out of their homes and um, I'm sure a trip to the shops is probably a delightful change from what they have been doing. Um, you know, the way of their you know, interacting with these sort of places and premises is, is going to change, I think, a lot now. But then on the other side, you've got things like the industrial and logistics um, properties where they've been consistently strong performers. And I don't think, you know, this will change that because if anything, you know, the logistics and the industrial has been, um, I guess, experiencing heightened demand. So um, that's probably on the, the positive side there. So I don't see a lot of change there. John, the media is already talking about the bottom falling out of the property market. Well, I mean, yes, the media does like to report the headlines that get the attention, but, you know, generally the property sector is cyclical. Um, and while we didn't come out of too deep a trough this time around, the last couple of years have been certainly uh, a little dampened, but we were, you know, we were sort of 
coming out of the upward side of the curve. But um, with this, we've now found ourselves kind of pushed back to the bottom of the curve outside of our usual cycle. Um, so whilst this significant pause or hibernation that we're seeing remains, and then also, you know, dealing with the aftershocks of that, um, but we will see eventually the recovery march start to happen again. Transactions will start to occur. Interest rates are so low at this point. You know, investors are looking at alternative asset classes in which to put their money. Um, you know, so there are those that, you know, who will have the ability to um, capitalise on opportunities that, that's presented by, I guess, the downturn in the market. Speaking of investors, the federal government recently announced their commercial tenancy code, including a moratorium on evictions for commercial property. Is this going to be a major impact on the industry? Well, this one was a, a much-weighted announcement, and obviously, you know, rentals are a, um, a key proponent of any business cost where there's a premises involved. So, the Commercial Tenancies Code has been designed to protect tenants that fall into the small to medium-sized business um, threshold, so those under a $50 million turnover, and that's on a grouped basis. Um, so, those that fall into that bracket, it's, it's going to be a huge um, assistance where their business has been impacted um, by the closures or simply just the lack of foot traffic that's coming around. Um, mandating a rent-free portion of that relief. So, you know, the guidelines are basically saying that if your business has been impacted to, you know, so say you've lost 100% of your trading ability at this point because it's just not viable to continue at this point. So you've shut the doors. Um, so the the code is mandating that really you need to negotiate um, and your landlord has to look at providing relief to the extent that you've lost your income. So, you know, here we're talking 100% of turnover and 50% of that needs to come in the form of a, a waiver of the rent. Um, with the balance, you know, as a deferral. And that's one of the key questions I've been getting from a lot of clients who are impacted from this. So, you know, what is that difference between the waiver of the rent versus a deferral? Um, and effectively, the waiver is a permanent, it's, a, it's cash you won't receive as a landlord. So you're, you're offering effectively a rent-free period. The deferred rent will still continue to accrue. It just doesn't have to be paid until this shutdown or pandemic period, as the government defines it, is over. Um, so that accrued amount will then, you know, you're allowed a portion, uh, well, the repayment period for that will be over the remaining balance of your lease. So if you have a nine year lease left to run, then you'll be able to repay what you're, you know, otherwise incurring now over that nine-year period. However, if you've got a shorter period, say it's up in six months, there's a minimum protection period there of 24 months that you get to repay that deferral. So the intention is that, you know, the businesses that have really had their cash flow stopped at this point, it enables them to go into a holding pattern and effectively come out the other side with a viable business and not a huge amount of debt. Sounds like there's some questions around this for what it means for landlords. 
Well, absolutely. Um, at the moment, landlords are the ones who will ultimately have to bear the brunt of these concessions. So, you know, but they also have responsibilities and obligations to their financiers. So, you know, while banks have come out in some instances for the, at the smaller end of town and offered payment deferrals on loans under $10 million, that still leaves the landlord with a larger mortgage to repay at the end. So they're not missing out as such. Um, so, is, and then of course, there's anyone with a a loan facility that's over $10 million is really bearing the brunt of this because there is a mandated rent-free period, so they are having to forego income. We're also looking at, you know, hopefully um, the states are having to implement this code, so they will each need to legislate the code and the guidelines um, in their own form, hopefully in somewhat harmonious ways so the rules are easy to follow for those who do trade across borders. Um, but we're also looking for, you know, the governments will play their part through some land tax concessions, but we're still waiting now to see the announcements of that as those um, guidelines are implemented state by state. And what would you like to see next from the policymakers? Well, um, obviously they're needing, um, people are wanting to see this up and enacted quickly, so we'd like to see that. I'm presuming um, that they, uh, you know, working out what their final offerings are around providing support to landlords through land tax concessions and um, the local governments are looking at rate concessions, etc. And of course the proviso is that any concessions received from government get passed on to the tenants. Um, we were pleased to see, certainly the industry bodies um, had fought um, very hard against initial guidelines which actually allowed tenants to just walk away from their lease obligations due to financial distress, um, which would have had a huge impact on valuations and loan covenants, etc. So we're, we're really pleased that that hasn't happened. Um, and whilst there is some fairness and support being offered to those tenants, it, it also affords some level of protection to the landlords. But um, you know, there is the, the stick in there. If the landlords don't engage and comply with these um, policies that have been put forward, that have been mandated, um, then they may well lose any protections under the lease. So what I would like to see, though, is the banks who are certainly a party to these arrangements because that's who, you know, the landlords have their obligations with. Um, you know, the difficulty will be where they, you know, we have the larger end of town which are funded from overseas banks and, and you know, we have no, no control over that, but to what extent we can sort of see support. So rather than accruing um, interest and allowing deferrals of payments at this time, um, we'd like like to see some level of income being foregone, so maybe some interest suspensions being allowed um, so that, you know, it is everybody sharing the pain, which was the intention of the, the code. Rishan, fast forward six to 12 months, what does the sector look like? Well, I'd like to say hopefully returning to a normal level of transacting, but I think that's probably 12 months plus down the horizon. Um, and it's really going to depend on how long this hibernation period lasts for and 
you know, how quickly we kind of come out and recover confidence. So I think that's going to be very closely tied to unemployment figures. Um, so I think we can expect a, a longer delay before foreign transactions kind of pick up to the level they were. Um, not only are there, you know, additional FERB protections in place at this time, but I think we'll see it'll be a very long time before people are feeling confident to, or even allowed to, travel across borders um, to look at transacting. Um, at the moment, my concern is around um, maybe smaller self-funded landlords or self-funded retirees because, you know, their lost income stream and how do they recover from that. Um, but hopefully, you know, things will continue to tick along um, and we will, you know, once everyone's back to normal, I think everyone, you know, the, a lot of the government policy has been put in place to enable us to pick up where we left off. Um, but obviously there'll be a bit of debt to pay um, by everybody in relation to some of the sacrifices that have had to have been made during this period. So when do you think we will see a recovery and how will we identify the signs? Uh, well, much the same as the, the performance by asset class, I think you'll see the recovery is going to be different by sector. Um, and it won't just be an immediate return to normal once the restrictions that we're seeing now are lifted. Um, like I said, it's it's a lot of it's coming back to that re rebuilding of confidence. So certainly in the residential sector, I mean, obviously people still need housing and still have to make um, housing and premises decisions. So that will return to normal. But um, I guess the extent and how quickly that happens will also be tied to where unemployment is heading. Um, but from a longer term view, thinking around office space, I think, in the commercial sector, I mean, we've, you know, we've had to adapt to the whole working from home model. Um, so I think you'll find that that becomes more accepted and people are set up for it a bit better now. Um, so, you know, and even with the retail, um, like I said, uh, before there, people are a bit more comfortable with that online shopping option. And so really, um, I think it'll be interesting to see what future tenancy negotiations look like and whether or not a lot of um, groups start reducing their footprint when it comes to actual traditional space. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of changes in even the way our workplaces are set up um, that will come from that. Sean, thank you for your time today. Thank you. You can find further information on how COVID-19 might affect your business and assistance is available to you on the Grant Thornton COVID-19 hub at www.grantthornton.com.au forward slash COVID-19. My name is Albert Bell-Templeman and you're listening to Boardroom Media.